I have a good friend who's a priest, and he's known by many of his parishioners and friends as being something of a saint, which really annoys me. But in particular, the quality people often highlight is his patience. He's often thought of as an incredibly patient man. He's patient in the parish, he's patient with his family members and co-workers. He's an incredibly patient man. And I would say, absolutely, everybody thinks he's patient, unless and until they drive somewhere with him. And for some reason, when he's behind the steering wheel, everything goes away. If he's coming to an intersection and the light is changing, if green means go, yellow means go faster, and red means gun it, so that when you get to the middle of the intersection, you can pretend that it was yellow. There is nobody, nobody, I would suggest, on planet Earth who is always patient all the time. We all have things that we're willing to slow down for. And I don't care how patient you are, there are things that you will never slow down for. And just by paying attention to where in your heart and mind you are most readily patient and where you are most readily impatient, I'd like to suggest you have an incredibly valuable tool for spiritual discernment. Where, why, and when is it hard for you to wait? Where, why, and when do you savor those moments? And you just as soon take all day as take five minutes for that thing to unfold or to be in the presence of that person. I'm mentioning this because in a way that maybe we don't often hold her up, Mary is a beautiful example of waiting and rushing. Most of the time we think of Mary as a patient waiter. She's the one who ponders, right? When Gabriel comes to her and she hears this strange message, she's not sure what's going on. She's not afraid to question. But Luke tells us she ponders this in her heart. She says, I'm going to sit and wait as this unfolds. If anybody had the right to have an early re reveal party, it's Mary, right? Hey, everyone, it's a boy. Mary, you got nine months, slow down. And she could wait and let it unfold. She finds 12-year-old Jesus in the temple, and he looks at her and says, what do you mean? What are you looking for me for? This is my father's house. Don't you know I have to stay here? And Mary, though she doesn't fully understand, perhaps, Luke tells us again, she ponders in her heart what it could mean, and she's willing to wait as those long years of his childhood and young adulthood unfold. They bring the infant Jesus to present him in the temple, and this strange prophecy is given about him. And Mary, in her uncertainty, we're told again, ponders what that might mean. But in today's gospel, Mary's not waiting. In today's gospel, when Mary learns that Elizabeth, her kinswoman, is expecting, what does she do? She goes off to her in haste. There's no waiting now. There's no pondering now. Elizabeth, I'll get to you in a few weeks. She goes in haste. And that's where she has to be. Notice the difference there. Notice when Mary waits and ponders and when she rushes. When it's about what the Lord is doing for her and in her and with her, she's willing to stop. She's willing to wait. She's willing to almost caress in her heart and mind. 
And it's not because she's lazy, and it's not because she's just laying there passively like some sort of doormat. She's allowing it to come to fruition inside of her that maybe her own understanding, maybe her own plan for her marriage isn't God's plan. But when it comes to going and bringing the Lord, bringing Jesus to her kinswoman, now she rushes. Now you might say, and understandably so, well, she's going there to help out. This is what women have done for each other and men, hopefully, for millennia. But that's not what Elizabeth highlights. Elizabeth doesn't say, oh, Mary, thank goodness you're here. You can help us paint the nursery. What she says is, how is this that you brought my Lord to me? She highlights that. How is it that the mother of my Lord should come to me, that you should visit me at this time? What Elizabeth is highlighting through the beautiful lens of Luke's writing is the fact that Mary is bringing the greatest news possible into her life. And Mary was not about to wait one more day for that to happen. And what does that look like for us? So I go back to my original question. Where are you patient and where are you impatient? And I'll be the first one to admit that I have it 180 degrees opposite from Mary most of the time. When it's something that I want to see happen according to my own terms, being patient with God is not near the top of my list. I find it hard many times to sit back and say, all right, maybe God's plan for me here is different than my own. Can I wait and can I ponder and can I allow God's own will to come to fruition inside of me? And I often find that hard, particularly when what seems to be unfolding is not what I expected. Mary, in the face of unexpected plans, was able to sit back and ponder. Not because she didn't have her own plans and desires, but because she had a heart that could trust. And I often am impatient in precisely those moments. Maybe you too. When am I patient? I'm patient precisely when I just as soon not have to face something. I'm patient when I'm allowing somebody else to carry the ball. I'm patient when I don't want to have to invest myself in what seems to be unfolding. I look over at the seminary. When there's some project that I want to get through, patience is not a good adjective to describe me. Ask my colleagues. I want this to happen. Why don't you see it the way I see it? Clearly, this is what God wants because it's what I want. And when am I willing to say, well, we'll just let that one unfold. We should be patient. We're Christians. Let's just wait this one out. It's probably what God wants. And if I'm brutally honest, it's precisely what I don't want to happen. And I'm more than happy to let it drag along. Where's the impatience in your life? And I don't mean stuff like road rage. I mean the really serious impatience where we almost find ourselves wrestling with our own hearts, with the people in our lives that we otherwise love, and maybe even with God himself, that's a valuable thing to notice. Of course, we don't want to be annoying. We don't want to be impatient people. But wherever that area is or that person with whom you're impatient, that can be one of the most valuable things to notice. And simply as a little spiritual exercise as we go into these waning days of Advent, 
wherever you would name your greatest point of impatience, maybe just sit back and ask yourself, what am I trying to control? What am I trying to hold on to that maybe God is saying, no, let go here? Because while an impatient person often seems like they're out of control and chaotic, in fact, they're exerting a lot of control. If I'm impatient, then everything fits into its place. This is the way it should be. This is the way it isn't. This is what people ought to do. I've got a plan here. Impatience is incredibly controlling. But ultimately, we know it's an exercise in futility. So wherever you'd name your impatience, maybe pray for the wisdom and especially the courage to release the control and allow God to unfold in your heart whatever it is that He desires.